Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is from the Q&A from the Female Fat Loss Group. That is January's intake, and some of the questions are, are great that are coming in. It's great to see so many of the so many of the clients and so many of the the group kind of thinking about what they need to do and kind of like trying to improve their own kind of education around things, which is what this group is for. So some of the topics that we're going to talk about today is stretching. Uh, to do before or after workout does it improve recovery does it improve lifts then we talk about recovery tips after a long run we talk about weight loss and menopause um, and then we talk about the routine changes and how to change things up when routine changes which i think has been covered an awful lot you're probably just maybe overthinking it a little bit and then one of the good questions was by the end of kind of like the program would you recommend to stop tracking okay so I'm going to start off with the first question. Okay, so the majority of this will be on the menopause and, and kind of weight loss and stuff like that. It has been covered before. So that's where a lot of the information is going to be put, um, particularly after kind of getting called out during the week by some doctor over in America, America or Canada, I can't remember which one she's in. Um, and it was just funny how getting called out for being a man. If you haven't seen it, check out my stories, my video on it. It was just kind of funny. I'm not going to name the doctor. I just don't see the um, the need. I don't like call out culture. I just find it funny for being called out for being a man. Um, yeah, it's just funny. So the first question is: How important is a consistent stretching routine before and or after working out? Does this improve recovery even if you don't feel sore after working out and improve lifts long term? So the big important thing is you shouldn't feel sore after all your workouts. If you are, it means you're under recovering not getting sleep stress too much you're under fueling your body you're not getting enough protein in or your body's not getting enough recovery so it's not actually like your phone your phone can't work on like won't really function properly on 15 percent. that's essentially the same thing so you should, the goal shouldn't be to be sore after every workout if you are sore after every workout you are probably under recovering it's very hard to overtrain, but easy to under recover so the big thing is that we need to look at it from stretching as a way to kind of prevent injuries and also mobility. So there's some research saying that it can help to improve kind of a reduction in injuries. And then there's others to kind of say that it doesn't improve kind of incidence of injury and stuff like that. But I would say I would do it if you want. If you're looking to improve your flexibility, I would 100% try to do it. Like, I've never heard of anyone being too flexible. I've heard of, so, of clients being too stiff and being inflexible because we sit at desks all day. We've got, if you think of a squats when you're kind of leaning forward a good bit and your hips are tight or your ankles are tight, it's from lack of flexibility. So I say, if you want to stretch, do it. If you don't want to, don't do it. But there is there isn't strong enough evidence to kind of recommend that it's kind of going to reduce injuries and stuff like that but it can improve flexibility for you as well there is also kind of improved performance some of the yes and no um the, some of the biggest myths that are out there regarding stretches and stuff like that are like i would kind of look at it from a point of view of if your muscles are sore all the time, it means you're you're over you're kind of under recovering. So 
I would probably say potentially going for a walk could help you to recover rather than trying to stretch it out of it. If you're like, I'm quite tight in my hips today from playing a match. And all I did last night, I left it on Sunday. Yet last night, I like so I went for a walk on Saturday or Sunday, went for a walk on Monday. And then on yesterday, I did a little bit of mobility just to kind of open out the hip flexes a little bit more. That's all that I did. Um, and it's it, it, it can help just to kind of get that little bit more of recovery into it to help yourself um, if you need it. But it's not going to, like if you're sore all the time, I'm going to keep repeating that. Um, and I think if you want to do it, doesn't really matter when you do it i'd probably just recommend doing it um it, it definitely increases flexibility so it feels good it can help you if you feel a kind of like a sense of achievement for doing it um there's absolutely no reason not to do it um but if you want to do it before your training do it that way if you want to do it after not as much bang for your book but it's up to you but it's not going to prevent injury if you want to if you want to do it that way or kind of like you want to if you want to make sure that you are doing it will improve recovery i would say just getting the legs slightly moving the next day could help you but if you're training say five times a week and you're always sore after your workouts it's probably meaning that you're just you're you're over under recovering um, so maybe scaling it back. So I know the next question leads into recovery tips after a long run. Legs were quite sore, cramping Sunday evening. So that was another question. And this, this uh, the client that I'm talking to is in the group at the minute. And what I can see from their training is that they're doing the three weighted sessions already, but they've also gone from having a 5K run in there as well, plus a 15 kilometer run in there. So I would say that because they're cramping, it means dehydration has happened and your body hasn't got enough electrolytes or hasn't got enough hydration in the body and potentially is a little bit underfueled. So and the, the, the workload on the body could be a little bit too much for it because I looked at the previous week that they had done with their training and what they had done is they'd gone from three weight sessions and a five kilometer run and now they've increased it from five kilometer run, three training sessions and 15 kilometer run. So it's it's asking for the body an awful lot to be able to recover from that. And your body's kind of been a little bit like, what the hell are you doing to me? So if you're cramping, get electrolytes into you like the likes of Diorolite into you. And it could be a sign that you are you just push it too hard and you probably are pushing it too hard. So you may need to either drop a, waiting, a weight session if you're going, if that's going to be your continuous training for now, I would probably encourage you to drop one of your weight sessions if the running is the goal. You need to figure out what, be clear on what the goal is. If the goal is to to run, well then we need to get mileage into the legs. Weights can help to build up that strength, but you need to think about what's your goal. Is your goal to build muscle? Or is your goal to be do the 15 kilometers or half a marathon, whatever the goal may be? Doing the two at the same time is very, very difficult. And there's new research showing out that if you're doing a good bit of cardio, I don't know the exact amount off the top of my head, that it can impact on muscle growth. Um, so you're kind of looking for two things to do the same thing at once, and that can get frustrating. So if I was that person recovery tips after a long run, I would say, right, have we slept properly? Have we did we eat enough 
around the training, like before and after the training, where we hydrated, uh, where we stressed the week before. I would say that we've probably gone a little bit too hell for leather with going from three weighted sessions and a five kilometer to three weighted sessions, five kilometer and a, and a, a 15 kilometer. So you, you've asked for your body to do four times the amount of kilometers that you did the previous week and being able to recover from it. So my advice to that person uh, that I will be talking to right now, you need to figure out what your goal is. I think you're trying to, you're trying to do too many things and it's that January 2023 buzz maybe or looking at other people, what they're doing. So I think it's important for you to figure out what, be clear on what your goal is and look at, right, do I want to get, do I want to be fitter and get my runs going or do I want to be stronger and get like muscle onto my body because it's it's hard to do the two at the same time. So it's figuring out what to do. Um, recovery tips after a long run, creatine, three to five grams per day um, could help you. Um, so really making sure to do that and you add, you add it in with water um, so that could really really help you as well to to make sure that you are getting that creatine in uh, what sometimes people can find is when they have creatine that they might get a little bit more bloated from it you just need to top yourself up with water there to make sure you like to so say if you're having say one and a half liters of water and you're having creatine increase your creatine or increase your water should i say uh, because it can blow blow people. It's the most researched supplement in the world. It's not going to do anything for you, as in it's not going to be detrimental to your health by taking it. Um, so that's what I would look at on that. I would, the next day, I would just make sure you're hydrated, making sure you're getting protein in regularly throughout the day. If you want to go out for the next, to walk the next day, you can just to kind of get a little bit of movement into your legs. And that's like active recovery days, that's what that's called. And if you're cramping, it means you're dehydrated. You're not drinking enough water. So what you could do is get electrolytes. What you could do is potentially put a little bit of salt into your water. Um, a tiny bit. I don't mean like drink the sea, but I put a little bit of salt into it as well. And that could help you. But from the client that I'm talking to right now, I would say you've gone too hard, too quick, not enough hydration, and probably need to think about what the goal is. You're probably trying to do two things at once by trying to like improve muscle mass plus trying to do your runs it's very difficult to do it that way you may be better off dropping back to two full body sessions a day or a week and then do your 5 and 15k and see how you feel but my guess is if you're cramping you're dehydrated you're probably not getting enough fuel into your body and it just means that your body's like, what the hell are you doing to me? So might need to scale it back a little bit. So the next question is, by the end of the six weeks, do you recommend stopping tracking? So some people shouldn't be tracking calories. Some people, it's a great tool. It's a, it's a, it's depends on the, the, the person in, in talking. My fitness pal isn't a forever tool. I... I like I only ever recommend clients to count for a little while like if they're potentially if they're going on a diet phase some people do it for forever some people do it for a long time um so other people but I would say my opinion on it would be that it's a short-term thing it's a sort short-term education tool like if it's not adding to your life it's becoming a little bit of a stressor maybe it's not the right tool um so if you if you're trying if you're learning by it and you're kind of 
right, I can see how much protein is in this. I can see how many calories are in this. I can see that my fiber needs to improve. And you're learning as you're kind of going. Well, then that, that's a really, really useful tool. And But also, if you are using my fitness pal, what you're also doing is you're probably having the same meals from Monday to Thursday. So if you're putting those into my fitness pal, you can see, right, this is probably what I'm having like say a 450 calorie lunch or a 500 calorie lunch and you're having that continuously well then that's probably what's going to help you on that side of things uh, so it's kind of like it's educating you on what a portion size is and can be and if if you find after six weeks you're ready to stop doing it there's a couple of methods you can do it there's go cold turkey there is going six days one week five days the next four days the next three days two days one day and do it that way so there's no right or wrong approach. It's completely up to you. If you want to stop tracking, stop tracking and just focus on getting your regular meals in. Most people just need to focus on getting the regular meals in. Um, it's If you're finding that after a little while of kind of going back into regular meals and stopping tracking, that your measurements are changing as in they're going back up or your weight is going back up, ask yourself, right, am I being adherent, number one? And two, maybe I'll just track now this week and see how I go and maybe dip in and out of it. But it's depending on the person. Like most people, most of you in the group at the end of the six weeks, for like 70% of you probably go on to another group afterwards. For for most people that count my, my fitness pal or my count calories, you are using it for a short term and then I've given you how the exit strategy is I put in the show notes of the episodes on that of who should use it who shouldn't use it how to stop tracking on it um, so you can listen to that um, but going back into the regular meals am I getting three meals two or three snacks a day is normally a safe place to go for for a lot of people a lot of people will overcomplicate things and this anxiety of the, of the control thing will come in so you have control you have control because if you're feeling you don't you don't have control, the app it was in control if that's the case. So going back into right, can I get my regular meals in? Can I get protein with most meals in? Can I get veggies with most meals in? Those side of things. You're not doing anything that you're not doing already. You just maybe not counting your calories and you can measure like your progress of right am i being am i stronger am i getting leaner or building muscle am i by taking progress pictures am i taking my measurements am i losing weight is it going down consistently am i being adherent and kind of going from there so do i recommend stopping tracking calories after after the six weeks completely up to the person if someone wants to stop counting calories and go back to regular meals go for it and then if it's not working for you the other way, maybe go back into it and dip in and out of it. And that could help you. A lot of people will be very, very different. I can't give one generic answer. Unfortunately, I can't. No one can on nutrition. It's one of those things that it's just too, it's too, um, it's too broad. So if you're looking to get away from counting calories, there's a couple of methods, which is go cold turkey or go six days, five days, four days, three days, two days, one day, or else... You could do another way of counting calories on, say, a Wednesday and a Saturday. Two random days, a Saturday or a Sunday is generally where your regular your meals will be kind of off. Um, will be a little bit different. So then the next one is tips on when your routine changes up 
uh, how to change your, you keep nutrition on track. So routine, it changes all the time. Like I think that's what's going to happen in February for an awful lot of people is this whole thing of like we haven't had a whole lot on for January. Meals are going out. You're meeting up with new people. You're potentially going on for a few city breaks or you're going out or whatever it may be. So when the routine changes, you just create a new routine. So for example, if you're, for example, one of the clients in the group here is going to Centre Parks uh, for four days. So your routine is going to be a little bit different. The routine is going to generally be a little bit more about the kids. So one thing you could bring is, right, can I get my regular meals in? Can I get my breakfast before I go out on the day and potentially bring a few snacks with me? And then you're going to be walking around loads anyway. So you're moving anyway, which counts as exercise. And then the the set the, the one in the evening is, can I get protein with my main meals? And could I ask for an extra portion of veggies with my meals? It's like, think about what you're doing already. It's just that you may not be cooking the meals for yourself. So that's the only difference. But you're still in control of what you what your routine is. What generally can happen is a lot of people get overwhelmed and then they've only kind of like been at it for about two weeks. And generally when they've been at it, what I mean is, they have only been restricting for two weeks, but we're not doing that in the group. What we're trying in the group is every, every single one on that group isn't below a certain amount of calories on purpose because we're trying to get away from that restriction. We're trying to get away from that all or nothing approach. And what a lot of people are freaking down. I was like, well, I'm going to undo my progress. Like you're not going to undo your progress. If we break it down into the six weeks, seven days in a week, 42 days in the whole thing, and you're away for four days out of the 42, you're focusing on the other ones. You can't undo anything. It's going to be a little bit of a spike of water weight or a little bit of spike of, of uh, sodium or salt. And that's all that's going to happen with the with the scales. When you're coming back, maybe stay off the scales for a couple of days, let it normalize, get your water back into you and go back into your normal routine. Like the routine for yourself is look at what your days are going to look like. Like you're probably going to be on the go all the time. You're going to be walking loads anyway. Get a breakfast into you before you go. Have a couple of snacks in your bag with you. Tend to have a little bit of water with you as well. And then just add your, add your main meals. Can I get protein into this? Can I get more fruit or veggies in? Like if your snacks, bring some fruit with you. A really handy one that I always have is when I'm out for like a hike or something is like bananas or an apple. Sometimes those protein bars can be helpful for some people as well. Just gives them that boost of energy. Potentially those kind of like national confectionery jellies can keep you going as well uh, and share them around. So it can be a kind of like a team bonding thing. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about your routine changing up. You're in complete control of what you decide to do. It really is. You're over, like People overthink the whole thing. People overthink this. That's going to undo the progress. No, it's not going to undo the progress. It takes time to gain weight. It takes time to get off weight. It's not just going to go up and down, up and down all the time. Like weight will change like a yo-yo. But for fat to be gained, should I say, it's not going to, it takes a long time to gain fat. It takes a concerted effort to gain fat. It takes a concerted effort to lose fat. So you're not going to gain a whole lot. You're not going to do a whole lot. Look at the weekly calorie average that we've been speaking about. So say if someone's on 2,000 calories a day, seven days in a week, that's 14,000 calories. If you are someone that is knows that this week is going to be a little bit out of routine, you're away for four days, write out on a piece of paper, get a pen and paper, and write out what's good enough for you this week 
versus what's a perfect week look like. And look at what your per- the depth, the differences between the two. And you'll see exactly what week you should aim for. Three main meals, two or three snacks, protein in most meals, fruit or veggies, a little bit of water and a little bit of exercise. That's a good enough week for most people. That's a pretty spectacular week for most people. A perfect week for most people would be five gym sessions, sleep seven to nine hours, kids don't act the bollocks, all these different things kind of come up. So it's important to kind of think about it that way of when routine changes up, you're in full control of what you do. Make some sort of strategy for yourself. How can I get my breakfast in? Bring a few snacks with you, have some water, and then you're going to be walking around loads anyway. And then your dinners or the thing with the dinner of Scott, Scott Bapti's episode spoke about the two out of four rule. So you've got your starter, your main dessert and drink. Pick two out of the four. And that will help you there as well. If you want all four, go for it. But two out of four, generally, probably decent enough. If you have a sweet tooth, well, then it's probably going to be a main and dessert. If you don't have a sweet tooth, probably a starter and a main. Or it could be a main and a drink. It's whatever you want. Like, you're not going to undo anything. It's not a zip. It's not going to be able to be undone. Um, so the last question that came in was in relation to menopause and weight loss. Is it harder to lose weight during menopause and do you have to train differently? Okay, so this was the thing that I got kind of called out on. Um, this is the thing that I got called out on last week. Okay, so we need to understand that it's not the metabolism that's the issue okay so a lot of people think that the metabolism slows down as we get older it doesn't really slow down until we're like 60 plus um if you've got thyroid issues you need to look at it from a point of view of if you have a thyroid issue an underactive thyroid which is hypoactive thyroid you as long as you're on the right medications your thyroid will function as normal. So you're at the same play level, same level playing field. And that's when it could be lose it harder to lose weight. But if your meds are on this, the right level, then there shouldn't be any issue. So what we need to understand what the difference between menopause and perimenopause, and there is a menopause, perimenopause episode, which I'm going to put into the show notes on that. So we need to look at what menopause. Menopause means kind of like after no cycle for 12 months. That's what menopause means perimenopause means around menopause and it begins with kind of irregular cycles declining ovarian function and it kind of like has the night sweats element to it as well and it can differ from very very it can very different to every single person that has it and it's essential to tune into your actual body and what's normal for you if you feel that you're having night sweats you're getting that kind of like irregular period it's important to go and talk to your doctor to see what your options are and the likes of HRT, there are other alternatives looking to potentially a little bit of testosterone or estrogen, loads of different things. And you need to look at the, like the various different hormones are going to play a different role. Like if your estrogen is going down, that could be, that could have an impact on whether you're getting migraines, that can have an impact on your night sweats and, and all these very, very different things. So the kind of the main stages and sequence of events with perimenopause is lower progesterone then it's kind of high in fluctuation estrogen then it's lower estrogen so that's when you might find that the kind of the mood might start to change with your estrogen it's kind of like it's your hormone that makes you as lara bryden calls it or kind of um macy hill calls it 
um, makes you feel like Beyonce. It's your Beyonce hormone. It makes you a little bit sassy. So if that's a little bit fluctuating your mood mm-hmm. and you may feel that you're you're not feeling like yourself, you can feel a little bit like outer body experience, your sleep goes to crap, all these different things. And if you're not sleeping, and this leads into, what is it harder? It is harder, but it's not for the reasons you think. So if you think about it, right, if you're not sleeping, you're going to, you're going to want to move less and you're going to go for more convenient food. Okay, so there are studies showing that people who get four hours sleep compared to those who get eight hours sleep will maybe overeat by about 560 calories a day. Okay, in certain circumstances. Now, if we do that every day and multiply that by seven days in a week, that adds up to about one pound of fat in a week. Uh, like that's a concerted effort but it's easy to do when we get tired because when we get tired our brain ramps up looking for the quickest source of energy and the quickest sources of energy are fats sugars carbohydrates and start and like processed food and those foods are kind of like very very high in calories and if they don't keep us full and when we don't feel full and we get that little drop in energy after we eat them or surge in energy after we eat them we'll be soon followed by a drop and we're in that drop again we'll look for more so you're kind of eating a good bit of calories first and then you're tired again so you need another boost up and that's what's going to put you into that calorie surplus and over that time that adds up into gaining gaining fat so it's probably less to do with your the kind of like the inability to, to with your metabolism it's probably more to do with when you get tired you generally get a little bit, don't want to move. So you're not burning calories from moving. You're not going to go for your walk. You're not going to go for your gym, which is completely understandable. So if you're not moving as much and you're eating more, well, then you're going to gain weight. Um, so another thing is that is really common with those with who are going through perimenopause, which is the stage beforehand, is that the mind and the anxiety can kind of ramp up and depression can be kind of be up there as well. Um, there's even some studies saying that I, tw- I think it's like a quarter of women with perimenopause can be can can be given antidepressants first rather than trying to treat the actual symptoms themselves. So I would, if you're feeling a slightly off and the mood, so if your mood and anxiety is off, the you're going to look for f- things that comfort you. And generally the first thing that what people go for when they get in that mood or a lower mood is food comes into it so it's those highly palatable foods lower satiating foods processed foods that are really high in calories that we're going to go for and they build up over time and that's what's going to gain the kind of the weight over time and that's completely normal and um, but it's important to, f- to make sure that you are if you're having any of the symptoms like forgetfulness mus- muscle aches irregular periods weight gain hair changes uh, breast tenderness, PMS symptoms, anxiety, UTIs, night sweats, mood swings, irritability, vaginal dryness, uh, infrequent urination, cholesterol issues. Talk to the doctor because there are symptoms that you can manage. And it's managing those symptoms. There are methods to it. But you need to talk to the doctor that's probably aware of what's going on. So kind of is it hard to lose weight through perimenopause? Yes, but it's probably not for the reasons why you think. Okay, do you have to train differently? 
when you're kind of like tired and fatigued and your mind is not play your mind you're probably not wanting to train so there's it the, the biggest thing that i would say is as you kind of go through perimenopause your estrogen levels are going to drop okay and what your estrogen does is it's kind of like the glue that keeps your bones healthy and if your estrogen is dropping it's kind of like the credits of estrogen in your bones are going down so you're going to need you're going to need to try and pause it somewhere along the lines to make sure your bones are healthy if your bones are, are brittle or if you have a fall as you get older particularly for uh, women or those with menstrual cycles you're more prone to osteoporosis osteopenia sarcopenia brittle bone syndrome so how can we prevent that or kind of we can't like, it, some people have a genetic predisposition to it men can also get it but if there's estrogen dropping in your body, you may need to get that topped up through HRT for yourself or like gels, patches, whatever it may be, or injections or whatever it may be. But if your bone health is decreasing and you had a fall, you need to try and kind of say, right, can I get enough protein in? Protein helps your bone health. You can't stop it or you can't kind of top it back up, but you can pause it by having enough protein in and weight training weight training weight training weight training so some people don't like weight training and that's cool i'm not going to sit here and force anyone but if you're looking to strengthen your bones improve your body composition all these different things well then weight training is the gold standard for getting through and kind of on as after you've sought help for hrt making sure that you are doing some sort of training if you enjoy walking great that's your and it's your cup of tea go if you're looking to make sure you're getting enough and kind of making sure you're getting um that your bones are getting healthy again weight training will help so it depends what you're into and because osteoporosis kind of skyrockets the risk of it skyrockets following menopause it's vital to be doing strength training it could be two days a week if you wanted to join a class with a mate whatever it may be so you don't really need like what's what's do you need to train differently not really some sort of weight training if you enjoy walking go for it if you enjoy yoga meditation to help your mindset go for it i would just be careful of hit training not because it's negative or positive it just means that if you're knackered already hit training which is a different argument altogether it can make you feel more exhausted so exhausted on top of exhausted doesn't really end very well so just be careful of it you could be doing dancing with mates if you want to but you need to set realistic expectations of yourself set goals make sure they're go they're, they're realistic they're attainable they're specific and you kind of review them so don't simply don't like declare i'm going to i'm going to exercise more that's too vague uh so maybe i'm going to walk i'm going to go to the gym three times this week I'll walk for 30 minutes at lunch this week. I'll take a group cycling class. I'm going to play tennis with a friend. Recruit a friend to help you go through the whole thing if you want. And that's what I love about the group thing. I love what I love about the one-to-one coaching is is that a bit extra bit of accountability for yourself. And when I've had coaches, it helps that as well. So you can train at home, you can train in the gym, whatever equipment you may have. So do you have to train differently? No, the same same principles apply it's just making sure your symptoms are being managed first and then we can bring it in alongside it and kind of after whatever you whatever prescriptions you may get afterwards with nutrition higher protein getting decent omega um omegas in 
like oily fish, looking through kind of like chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, looking at getting whole grains into your body, um, looking at fruit and veggies, the real basic stuff that a lot of people, a lot of us know, a lot of us overcomplicate what needs to be done. Like if you think about it, most plates of food, even if it's like McDonald's or whatever, is protein, carbs, fats, vegetables. That's what most, that's what plates of food are. But it's just different qualities and different quantities and different foods. So like, can you get protein into your breakfast? Can you get protein into your lunch? Can you get protein into your dinner? That's probably where I would start from and build up. So that could be one of your goals. So it'd be really, 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 I hope that has helped. There is an episode on menopause and perimenopause and it's like a two hour episode. I've got a few cool people coming on to talk about it in a lot more detail. There are other episodes on it already. Um, so just have a look back. I'll put links in the show notes for how to stop tracking. I put the Scott Bapti episode in. I put the perimenopause episode in for you. Um, so we've looked at stretching. We've looked at recovery tips. We've looked at menopause. We've looked at uh, tips on when to your routine changes, how to keep on track. It's literally about keep changing the routine for yourself. Keep like change the routine. And then by the end of it, should you stop counting calories? As I said, it's up to the person. Counting calories isn't forever. Some people do it all the time. Some people, most people don't need to at all. Regular meals is probably what's going to help an awful lot of people um, on that side of things. My fitness battle is a great tool for some. It's not a good tool for others. So I hope this episode has helped. Hope the Q&A has helped you all. If you have any questions, pop them in the the. the the notes for the group afterwards and if you've enjoyed the podcast please do tag me up on your stories if you have any other questions that want me to answer put them below and i hope you have enjoyed the episode